whenever I think about uh, what I want to talk about, I, you know, probably the first criteria is what do I think people need to hear about? How can I help? How can I help others? And uh, tonight's talk is on reflection, and I think it's one of the areas where we can all use help uh, uh, and where we can all uh, deepen our practice where we all, all can find a lot of benefit uh, to help us move forward in our practice. And I think of this quality of reflection. Uh, you know, often harken back to simpler times. I think of you know, the great poets. I think of Yeats walking <coughs> the roads of Ireland, contemplating. Very, very, one of Yeats's most well-known poems, The Lake Isle of Innisfree. I will arise and go now and go to Innisfree, and a small cabin built there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have, a hive for the honeybee, and I live alone in the bee-loud glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the veils of the morning, to where the cricket sings. There midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow, and evening full of the linnet's wings. I will arise and go now, for always night and day. I hear lake water lapping with low sounds by the shore. While I stand on the roadway, or on the pavement's gray, I hear it in the deep heart's core. Really? encapsulates the whole spirit, really, I think, of reflection. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow. While I stand on the road where, on the pavement's gray, I hear it in the deep heart's core. <coughs> I think, I've always said that Reflection is something that's hard to teach. You know, it's hard to teach because uh, it's an art. You know, it's an art. The title of this talk is The Art of Reflection. Uh, it's hard to teach art. It's hard to, people, to teach people how to do art. You can guide them, perhaps, but uh, it's hard to teach. You could say, you know, it's easier to teach science or math. And this tends to be in our culture where we put the lion's share of our emphasis in terms of uh, what we want to learn. Uh, we're much more inclined to look to science for the answers to what we need to know in order to live a better life. I talked last week, I think, about how Socrates was really where that began, the way to a better life through science. And of course, one of the ways that manages very profoundly is uh, uh, the way science uh, has developed technologies. So we look to technology. I don't think it's exaggeration to say, you know, our culture looks more to technology than it does to art. We look to factual information 
for the answers to what we need to know or what we want to find out, what we want to find out about life, what we want to find out about life, what we want to know about life or what we need to do uh, <clears throat> to make our lives lives of greater happiness. So we look to factual information. We look to facts. The internet is great for facts. You know, there's an endless, seemingly endless supply of facts. Google is the, the orchestrator of all of that, right? So you know, facts are useful. Facts are useful in terms of helping us understand the material world. Uh, art is something else, right? Art, if we think of the art of reflection or just art in general, uh, art is what enables us to have a deeper understanding of things, an understanding of things that goes beyond appearances, goes beyond the material sphere, that goes beyond facts, goes beyond facts. Think of great art, music, visual art, literature, poetry. They serve to move us beyond an intellectual understanding of life, a material understanding of the material aspects of life, a surface understanding of life. They go below the surface. They go deeper than the superficial understanding of life that most of us are able to call from the internet. So one point I, I always like to make, or I've tried to make a lot recently, when we talk about uh, a deeper understanding, uh, an understanding that goes beyond appearances, that transcends intellectual understanding, right? The understanding that the teachings of the Buddha ask us to develop is an understanding that goes beyond intellectual understanding. So one of the points that I really try to make about this kind of understanding is that it's not abstract. It's not abstract. It doesn't exist on a conceptual level. It's not abstract, you know, because I think we don't really understand how this understanding manifests. It's almost kind of like magic this kind of understanding. <clears throat> it's not magic, and it uh, is not abstract. This understanding that transcends intellectual understanding uh, manifests on a felt level, as felt sense. So it manifests in the body as felt sense. It's something that we feel. It's something that we feel, something that we know in the body as felt sense. So as Dharma students, you know, we seek to have a deeper understanding of life, of our life, of what our lives are about, of what we need to do to find a greater happiness. Uh, and we seek to have a felt experience of life. We seek to know things on a felt level. We seek to meet life and to understand life on a felt level in terms of felt sense. Just the way you understand what's happening here. If, if, we're, if we're embodied enough, we understand what's happening here right now in this moment on a felt level. Right? It's not an intellectual experience. We have a felt sense of being here in this moment right now. 
very, you know, it transcends even, uh, it transcends appearances, right? Because our felt sense, you know, I always like that term, but maybe again, that seems confusing to people. You know, what does that mean, appearances? Uh, well, we could say our understanding of this room is based on all the people who are here and everything like that. But our understanding of this room transcends appearances, right? Our felt sense of this room transcends appearances. The felt sense we have about being here right now is uh, the product of all the other times we've been in this room and all the other times we've interacted with these people and sat in these chairs, right? Your felt sense, your experience on a felt level of this room is different than it was last week. It's different than it was the first time you stepped into this room. It was 15 years ago or 10 years ago. And everybody's felt experience is different. Everybody's felt experience of this room is different. Everybody's understanding of where we are right now is different, not intellectually. So we seek to have this deeper experience of life. This deeper experience of life. The felt experience of life. And reflection helps us to get to that felt level. That's why we practice reflection. Reflection is a tool that we use to help us transcend appearances, transcend facts, and know things on a felt level. Even as simple as perhaps saying, you know, because we tend to kind of look around and you're only to some extent cognizing things on an, on an intellectual level in terms of what I'm saying, or purely sense experience level in terms of visual, in terms of what's here. So you might want to reflect for a moment, you know, what does it mean to be here in this room? What's my felt experience of being here? What is this experience of being here right now? And that reflection, asking that question, helps us to understand things on a level that you know, we tend not to understand things on. Now, certainly, if we're in our head trying to figure out what the hell is he saying, or objecting to what he's saying, or thinking about what you're doing later, or what you did this afternoon, your ability to have a felt experience of this moment is severely compromised, which means your experience, your ability to have uh, a felt experience of the truth of this moment, or being in this present moment, is severely compromised. To know the potential in this moment for happiness and joy, to know what life truly is. So reflection helps us get to that felt level. So it's a very, very, very important part of uh, this practice. It's a very important part of this practice. And two of the most important reflections that we do in this practice are the reflection on suffering, specifically our own suffering, specifically when we talk about suffering, the suffering of dukkha, the suffering uh, that comes from clinging, uh, the suffering that's rooted in aversion, desire, and desire, the suffering that manifests in becoming and living in stories and living uh, lives that are dictated by selves that we create through our stories and our clinging. You know, that, that, um, that's really hard to understand, right? And on an intellectual level, you can't understand that crap, you know? The heart, you can understand that like, like that. You know, if you're, if you're present enough, 
problem is we're trying to understand those things on an intellectual level. Trying to understand suffering on an intellectual level. So our classical reflections are the reflection on suffering, dukkha, and the reflection on death, the truth of death. Which is really hard for us to to have an understanding of that transcends an intellectual understanding. So we are asked in this practice to move to beyond an intellectual understanding of things. And we can start with that. You need an intellectual understanding that you're all going to die. Some of us don't even quite realize that. When we come to practice. Young people, they barely realize that. And so we have to start with some kind of an intellectual understanding, or certainly intellectual understanding into the, the structures of suffering, dependent origination, and all that stuff that we study so hard. But ultimately, we have to move beyond that to a deeper understanding to having a felt sense of the truth of these things, a felt sense of the truth of our suffering and what causes our suffering and what the end of suffering is like, a felt sense of the truth of death, the brevity of life. And that's the way to the end of suffering, and that's the way to the understanding of death that we need to have if we're going to live our lives fully and make the most of them. I mean, that's why we put the work into this. The meditation, the development of uh, jhana and concentration, which of course includes a full body awareness uh, and development of an embodiment moves us towards knowing things on a deeper level. Ultimately, that's why we practice, so that we can know things on a deeper level as an internal knowledge that transcends uh, a material or intellectual understanding. So a good way to reflect is, of course, to ask questions, right? Questions kind of flip things around uh, because uh, typically we uh, you know, think more along the lines of you know, declarative sentences, right? So you know, uh, there is suffering. You know, it's caused by this, right? It's caused by clinging. It leads to. Uh, it's rooted in aversion and desire. It leads to these narratives. It leads to the fabrication of selves that are the results of these narratives and this claim. Uh, So the way that we tend to relate to these things is more in terms of the thinking level, in terms of declarative sentences. So what we try to do in order to get beyond that is flip that around and ask questions, right? And ask questions. Is there suffering in my life? Do I cling and hold on? Is there aversion? Is there anger 
in the heart is their desire, is their delusion. I live in states of becoming in narratives. What about these selves I've fabricated? Is it true that I've fabricated these selves and they're basically running the show? So to ask the questions instead of saying, you know, I fabricated these selves and running the show, that's an intellectual understanding. Asking the question and let the reflection drop in and see if we can know the answer to the question in the heart. I mean, Tom Jeff talks about this. I mean, he wrote a hugely thick book on questions. Yeah, a hugely thick book on questions. It's an extremely important part of how we develop wisdom and find freedom. So we ask these questions, but we don't answer the questions. I mean, this is one of my Now, I've gotten to the point where I, I, I've accepted it. I've accepted the fact that when I suggest that people ask questions such as, you know, is there a truth of death? Am I going to die? That people are going to say, I know the answer to that. You know? You do and you don't, really. You know? There's always that, I know the answer to these questions. You know, or if we're talking about, you know, in terms of looking at suffering on a very uh, microscopic level, you know, as we look at our thinking, is it useful? Is it useful? You know, we gave a Dharma talk on the retreat about that. Uh, whenever I give that teaching, people, I know it's not useful. I know it's not useful. You know, your, intelle your intellectual mind, you know that's not useful. You need to know on a deeper level. You need to know on the heart. You need to know in the body as a felt sense. That's where change takes place, if you want to change. <coughs> so we ask these questions. We let them resonate. We let them resonate. You know, and, 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 and our ability to be able to do that you know, is really dependent on our level of, uh, our level of uh, sophistication in our in our meditation practice because we have to be embodied right we have to be embodied enough uh, to be able to feel to be able to have an awareness of a felt sense but we also need to have enough concentration so that we can keep the mind on the breath and on the body and not go into the thoughts about we have that we have about how to answer the question and it's really you know equanimity right it's a deeper type of concentration because once you start asking questions about your suffering and about death, you know, that has to be done with equanimity, and that's developed through meditation practice. And what that means is you're able to keep the attention on the breath and the body when you're asking those questions and not go into some kind of a thought-related response. Once you develop your meditation practice strongly enough, you know, then you're able to ask the questions without answering them. So we have to be able to ask the questions and then live in the questions, right? I mean, sometimes that means asking the question in any moment as we're walking the roads of 
the Upper West Side, like Gates, and uh, and we're able to you know drop a question or as we're uh, uh, looking out the window of our apartment and contemplating the sunset, and we ask a question because this is how you reflect, you know, or as we're sitting on a bench waiting to go into the doctor's office, you know, and we can reflect, probably not in the doctor's office, but outside. You know, you're early for your appointment. So uh, sometimes it's just asking those questions then, and then sometimes an awareness of the truth arises, but you know, it's really about asking questions, asking questions, and an understanding uh, will arise in time, you know, in time. So we live in the questions, as Rilke said. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Love the questions, right? Begin with loving the questions. Be patient towards all that is, if you don't love those questions, right? Am I gonna die? Am I suffering? Is this useful? Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and, and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. And that says it all. I mean, that's, that's the spirit of reflection. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions. Live the questions. You know, again, it's hard for us to live the questions because, you know, our concentration isn't strong enough and we don't have the ability just to be with the question without trying to answer it. And, uh, you know, one of the things that the Venerable Ajahn Jeff says about this is like, we're so desperate to know the answer to the questions too, right? Is there suffering? So that's why you learn to develop concentration and uh, develop a sense of inner ease so we're not so desperate to know the answer to the question, is there suffering? And that's why we seek to develop our parami and to follow those precepts so we have a level of uh, self-esteem so that we feel good enough about ourselves so that we're so that we're not so desperate to do whatever it needs we need to do so that we can feel better about ourselves so we come to know things in the body as a felt sense we learn to develop a sensitivity to the body to put aside the thinking you know, so in order to be able to reflect, uh, we need to have some ability to put aside thinking. And uh, in general, in reflection, and any time we reflect, uh, we need to have some withdrawal, in general, from external sense experience. So, you know, hypothetically, you could reflect after you leave here tonight as you walk down 14th Street on a beautiful spring evening. Is there a true happiness in this life? It's a beautiful reflection, right? Or 
you could try to reflect as you walk down 14th Street on the phone. That's not going to work as well. You know, you need some withdrawal from external sense experience in order to be able to connect into the body and into a felt sense of an understanding of what the truth is. Those external sense experiences take us away from the body and take us away from knowing things on a deeper level. Once you really understand these things, it's like, fuck, I don't want to engage in all that external stuff because what's in here is so much better. This is the way out you begin to understand what's in here. You know, it's a, it's a little hard sometimes because we don't really quite understand that. The more you practice and the more you understand that, it's sort of like, you know, it's like you don't want to go near those external sense experiences. That's why it's like, Somebody said to me, well, you know, when you move to Europe, you're really probably going to need to get a smartphone. You know, like they send me a list of phones. It's like, I ain't getting this fucking phone. <laughs> There's no way. Because this is more important. This is more important. This is more important. This is, this is where happiness is, is right in here. And it, to some extent, it's an either or. You've got a choice. This life is about making choices. So to be in the body, to put aside thinking, to be able to put aside external sense experience, and to be able to step back from the busyness of life, which is something that's really hard for us to do, to step back from the busyness of life, to find space in our life to reflect. I mean, this is part of, I think, my uh, perception of why it is so hard for people to reflect. Because they just don't have enough space, or which really just means they're not willing to make the space that they need in order to be able to reflect. So there needs to be space to reflect. And I like to think of it in terms of little spaces. You know, it doesn't mean that you need to go to a medit monastery. I mean, those can be really good times to reflect. And generally speaking, I don't reflect in meditation. You know, that's when I'm learning to develop. That's when I'm developing the skills of jhana so that I can reflect when the opportunity is there to reflect. And I don't necessarily suggest apportioning time to reflect. You know, it's like, all right, I'm going to reflect every day at 3 o'clock. It doesn't work like that, you know? The rhythms of life don't work according to your schedule, you know? I mean, reflection is something that you do, as the Buddha said most eloquently, when there's an opening. You know, when the circumstances are in place for it. So what I really try to do myself, and what I would suggest is try to create more space in your life. Try to have more spaces in your life. More spaces of quiet and stillness and non-doing. Non-engagement and sense experience. You know? So it's all those little spaces. I mean, I delineated some of them before. You know, you're sitting and you're waiting on a bench. Or you're going for a walk. I mean, going for walks is, are, is good things. Or you're standing at the window looking out at the sunset. It's all those little moments, you know? It's like, 
well, I could turn on the TV or I could reflect. Well, if this maybe is a good moment to reflect. I could turn the TV off. Sometimes it's too late by then. Right? You've lost the connection to the body. So you, know, you have these little spaces in your life, and when there's an opening, you reflect. That's when you reflect. It's all, you know, all those spaces you might not use, but at certain times when there's spaces, there may be an opening to reflect when you're involved, when there's enough stillness. And of course, the more you are able to develop concentration, the more stillness there is. We often talk here about the, the reflection. Uh, and you have to find your, your way to reflect, too. I think that's the other thing that's really hard. You know, that's why it's hard to teach art. You can't, everybody, you know, everybody's art is different because everybody's felt sense of experience of, of life is different. So, you know, you have to find a way to ask questions that are going to enable you to connect to the felt sense with inside of you and your own innate, unique understanding of the way things are. But, you know, we have our templates, and one of the templates, one of the questions that we've asked, we've talked about over the years is, uh, the one that's so uh, so uh, precious to the Thai monks, the days and nights are passing endlessly. What am I going to do with my time? How am I going to live? What is the way to happiness? Is there a true happiness in this life? And that's one of my favorite reflections. Is there a true happiness in this life? What's the way to reflect at true happiness? What do I have to do to know true happiness in my life? And these are the kinds of questions that we ask in reflecting. Because ultimately, I mean, those are kind of important questions, right? What do I need to do to find true happiness in my life? What actions do I need to take? How am I going to live my life today and in the long term? I mean, those are kind of important questions that we, that we tend to ask or that we that those are important questions, let's put it that way. We don't tend to ask them, because what we tend to do is ask other people to tell us the answer to those questions, right? And we've relied on other people to give us the answer to those questions. We look to others to tell us what happiness is. And my job isn't to tell you what happiness is. My job is to help tell you how you can to help you to understand where it is. So, but, you know, we look to others, we look to books, we look to things like that, but the answers are inside of yourself to those questions. The answers are inside of you. And again, you know, I think one of the places where people get uh, thrown off when somebody like me says that is like, well, what does that mean? It means just what it says. It's a felt sense. What did Ajahn Chah call the one who knows, you know, that's inside of you? <coughs> And of course, it's easier to ask, get answers from other people, right? Yeah. To ascribe your life to what other people are saying. And it's easier to do research, to read books, or to, to do Google, to do a search. Where is true happiness in your life, you know? I mean, that's kind of what we're doing every time we do a search, just about. The truth is inside. 
answer to those questions is inside of you, and you know it on a felt level through reflection. So for Dharma students, it's about knowing things inside. Knowing things inside. You know, if it's our suffering, we look inside of us to understand our suffering. Our tendency is to look outside at others. Look at how that person is so angry. Look at how that person is so anxious. Look at that person. You know, they're so terrible. The Buddha says our practice is to look inside, to see what's inside of ourselves, to know what's inside of ourselves, to know our own anger, to know what's inside of ourselves, to know our own desire, to know the truth inside of ourselves. And to know happiness, to look inside, not to look to others. Well, that person looks happy. Let me do what they're doing. To know the truth inside of us. To know inside of us what it is that we need to do in this life to fulfill our wish to be happy.